I'm, I'm not saying don't be scared by what you say. I wouldn't say anything to Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. I'd just be like, I'd be sitting like this, bro. Yeah. You are now listening to the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast. Here are your hosts, Deontay Epps and Dane Beasley. Hello and welcome to episode 14. 14 episodes, Dane, of the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast. Uh, it is a nice sunny day after last night's storms that came through. Did y'all get a lot of rain up there, bro? Uh, we got some rain two days in a row, two nights in a row, rather that. But it wasn't as bad as, was it two days ago when we had some hail um, and some loud, some really, really, really loud thunderstorms. So if you're in the Dallas area, you probably know what I'm talking about. It was about quarter size hail. It wasn't too big, but it was it was big enough to make you like the next day go check and make sure your car windshields are straight. So it was cool, though. Yeah. We good now. I hear you. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah, I slept, man. I slept through all the storms. Apparently, it hailed out here. Karina woke up like two or three times out of reckless, bed. man. Man, I, that's that's kind of bad. Like I, I didn't hear anything. But um, we hope that you guys are continuing to stay safe during this quarantine time, and mm-hmm. you know, getting everything you need to get done as well, and trying to push forward as best as you can. Uh, us here, you know, we're in our house, as you can see doing what we have to do in our personal lives, but also trying to give you this content that we enjoy, the things that we like to do, and bring it to you on this type of platform where we talk sports and other cool and exciting things. And so we welcome you, or welcome you to our um, our humble abode here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so last episode, Dane... We had some uh, issues or concerns about how the NFL draft would go as far as working virtually. I think right as we were recording last week, um, they were going through um, or about to go through the testing phase that Monday before the draft. Mm -hmm. And there was a, you know, certain hiccups here and there. Um, But the draft came and went this past weekend. From what I saw, maybe Dane, you saw some things different. It it, it looked good to me virtually. Um, no hiccups that I could see on screen. Trey Wingo hosting it, uh, Baylor alum Sikkim. He did a heck of a job uh, putting together this. You know, hosting it. You know, I had to I had to yeah. pick up my boy. Shameless Trey. plug. Got you. Yeah, you know, but you know, he put on a as a host. He was great, and they did a a combination of ESPN analysts and NFL network analysts, which was pretty cool. And then I actually didn't get to check it out, but I think you did, Dane, the college game day guys talk about the first round picks and stuff like that. Did you get to watch that? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it, a little bit of it. Okay. So apparently that, that went pretty well too. Yeah. I I thought it was pretty good. Um, I love seeing those personalities. It's one thing seeing those personalities on set together, but it's another thing where you have another element as far as, distance so it was cool getting to see them like okay there's you 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 got to humanize a lot of those people you know even more than what you already are hopefully you would you humanize them more than you already did um just by seeing them you know in their comfortable in their own home not to say that they're not comfortable on set but there's a different element to 
that level of, you know, speaking to something or passionately talking about something um, versus, you know, being outside or in a controlled environment with other, you know, audience members. So it was kind of cool. I appreciated it. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. And we can even go to uh, you talk about humanizing the analysts and even they showed, of course, everything was virtual. So they showed um, every draft room per se of each team and the general manager, head coach, and you see them with their families, uh, their close ones at home. Seemed like every, almost every uh, um, personal staff that they show for each team had their kids there yeah. or, you know, either voluntarily or involuntarily. Yes. It, it, Except if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you're, you know, you live in the bachelor life, yeah. you just kick back with the perfect setting, man. That's man, that guy. Or, <laughs> or if you're Jerry Jones and you're sitting on your yacht, just flexing, yeah, just flexing, just flexing. But to see that, uh, you know, seeing them around their their families, their friends, but also, you know, doing important things. You see them working. Mm-hmm. You see them on the phone. You see kind of the behind the scenes look of the draft process. I will give that a win for the NFL ESPN NFL network. The stats came in for the ratings and they got 55 million on the viewership, which, you know, a lot of people can say, well, there's nothing else on TV, but I mean, there is, you could have been watching something else. Right. You can watch something else. Sports wise, of course, you know, this is real time going on, but you didn't have the option. You had the option to watch what you wanted to watch. So, I mean, I kind of see what they're saying, but at the same time, you had an option. You had a choice to make whether you wanted to watch it or not. One gripe, Dane, you and I talked about, and I'm going to let you kind of go into it, was we see it every year kind of as far as, you know, when they there's a draft pick and, you know, break down their stats, where they come from, all that kind of stuff. But we've kind of seen it more this year about, how can I say it? Tragedy. Their history. Tragedy. Yeah. And I had a, a discussion about this with some of my close friends, but I'm going to let you talk about that. Man, so you you have – at first, I was, okay, this is maybe a coincidence, the first time it happened. And ideally, you would anticipate that on someone's biggest night or one of their most successful, memorable nights, they remember it for the reason why they're there. You know, one of the reasons why they're there because of their athletic accomplishments and things of that sort. Not to say that their personal life doesn't affect or make them who they are, but to try to highlight that when there's so many other things that you can talk about as a professional, it's very unprofessional. What I mean by that is, for example, uh, you might have a gentleman who's the one of the smartest people on their team or in their conference. So it'll be highlighted there, you know, all Big 12 academically and and then of course they'll list uh top three Heisman finalists three years in a row and then you'll see something like uh was a four sport athlete was drafted um in the minor leagues you know at the age of 18 and then right below that something way out of left field mother was on crack for 12 years like mm-hmm. that's a fact but yeah it's one thing yes you more than likely got the consent of the player to put that information up there. I understand that. I get that. There might be even some players that are okay with having that information up there, but anybody's anybody can know, or anybody who's anybody who can humanize somebody who's capable of humanizing somebody can agree that that's in bad taste. It sheds a bad light on that person. And why does that, 
there's so many other things you could talk about. And mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to a lot of the stories, a lot of the, the, these things that build the, or they can build the character of a person, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the, the person's footnote that should be associated with them on, on a night like that. But yeah, I, I got mixed feelings about it just because I, I mean, we all have, you know, personal tragedy and, and things that we have to overcome, but I personally, we, we, we'd have to fight. You put some of the, yeah. Up, up there on the screen, you know, about, about my mom passing in the midst of, you know, me celebrating being drafted by, you know, anybody, we're going to fight. Right. There's just a, and this whether it, I mean, I don't think it'd be a situation where that person is, I don't think it'd be a situation where the person would be super uncomfortable, but it's, it's not one of those things that people want to be thrown around all the time. You know, like it's, there's just a an element of or a line that shouldn't be crossed like that, but and and I don't know. It maybe they just wanted to highlight it. <laughs> maybe they just wanted to highlight. Well, this young man survived. You know all of this. Surely you can too. And this is like just a level of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps that I don't necessarily. I don't know. I do not approve of and appreciate. So. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because uh, I talk with Eric and Keith on Twitter mm-hmm. and that, that last thing you said about, uh, you know, he's going through all this. Maybe you can too. That was the argument Keith was saying mm-hmm. as far as them trying to, you know, big up their tragedy, tra- ugh, tragedies and things that they went through. He was also agreeing with us. Like that's kind of like, it's a, it's a line there that you have to cross or you don't want to cross. Right. And it seemed more this year than any other draft because they've done this before. Oh, where they brought yeah. up, heck you yeah. know, they brought up the past and stuff, and um, we we mainly saw it with uh, prospects themselves that went through stuff, mm-hmm. like you know, they got arrested or they got kicked off the team, stuff like that. Yeah, we've seen that, but I don't, I don't ever remember Dane no, Car- them going. Oh my bad. So in, no, I was just gonna say I don't remember them ever going in depth on like things outside of their control as far as like family members, yeah. uh, people in their circle, stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, like you were about to say, character issues they brought up, yeah. which I, know, I, okay I get, I get that a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I can understand because it, it highlights, it highlights the person's willingness or how much they care about the sport. If they can handle themselves on the field professionally and they can handle themselves off the field professionally. I get that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's some stuff is like you shouldn't even touch with a a ten foot pole. Like, uh, it's just some of it's just very distasteful. But, you know what's crazy? This is like this goes all the way back to like social norms. I'm yeah. I'm going kind of deep. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. I saw yeah I saw a tweet. I think Tyron Matthew retweeted it about it was showing after he got drafted mm-hmm. how Bill Polian said. You remember Bill Polian? Oh yeah. Oh how could I not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Bill Polian, former uh, executive, uh, front office guy in the league, Somehow. he was a, a analyst, draft analyst. Um, he's made a bunch of different comments over draft picks over the years that came out to be wrong. Very but wrong. this particular one, he was talking about Tyron Matthew and how if he was a GM on the team, he wouldn't even be on the board. He's not a team player. He's not. He can't. He hasn't shown signs of leadership. 
and stuff like that. And then, you know, Tyron Matthew retweeted it, and I don't have it in front of me, but he was talking about uh, how all these things he's done in the community, all mm-hmm. these things he's done for the team. Uh, I, vo- I was voted team captain. I was voted team MVP. He won a Super Bowl last year with the Chiefs, so it just goes to show you, like, don't judge a book by a cover. And, you know, don't judge people by their past because people change. People grow up. These these kids are college. I mean, they're still growing up. Their mind, brain hasn't developed yet. So, I mean, of course, they made bad decisions, right. you know, in college, but give them a chance to grow. Give them a chance to understand their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Give them the chance to do better in the future. And I'm going a, I'm to a so, ride on the coattail of that point. As you're right, saying brother. that, you said one thing in particular that stood out to me about analysts and even people, normal people, internet people like you and myself saying things online about people who we've never met, have no intention of meeting, and otherwise probably wouldn't say it if we were in their face. If you say something online, or if you say something in a platform like that, like Bill Polian did, more than likely, you probably wouldn't say that if that person was sitting right next to you or in front of you. So my advice to you, if you were listening, don't say something online or don't say something online or, you know, in a setting like that, that you wouldn't say if Mike Ty- if you're saying it to Mike Tyson and he's sitting in front of you. Now, I'm not saying don't be scared by what you're saying. I wouldn't say anything to Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. I'd just be like, but I'd be sitting like this, bro. Yeah. If you if you if you couldn't say it if you couldn't say it and address it as if it was Mike Tyson himself in person I probably wouldn't say it at all because that some of that stuff is unnecessary calling mm-hmm. a man out you know based on his character you've never met a person and yeah. that's just crossing the whole and you line could, you could argue that's their job but at the same time you gotta just this be, comes with a level of professionalism yeah man it comes just, with a level of professionalism. At least back it up with the, you know, give this guy a chance to grow. Give this right. guy a chance to, to change, stuff like that. But right. it is and, what it is. And, and it's, that's just where we are. But, you know, with it, they're athletes. They're in, you know, they've been in the spotlight probably since they were in middle school. So they understand the territory that comes with it. However, that doesn't mean that you should treat them like they're not. That doesn't mean they should be treated like they're not human because they are human. Yeah. So obviously they yeah. can't. But yeah, so that was uh, pretty interesting. There was a lot of a lot of amazing moments uh, during the night of the draft. Not to be you know highlighted, or we shouldn't highlight just all the negative. I mean, I'm not saying I am, but of course we just went on a tangent about proper etiquette and yeah. and things like that. Uh, but there are a lot of pretty good highlights as far as you know reactions and mm-hmm. team fits and all that good stuff. So like what. Speak first on. I want to hear your perspective because we haven't talked about it. I'm kind of, kind of, yeah, we haven't yeah, really talked about it at all. No. How do you feel about the Broncos thing. selections? I, there are a, there are a few that you guys made. I was like, oh, oh, Man. I want to see who see what he has to say about this. So, so thanks, I, I'm happy we got. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm a Broncos fan. I've said it a lot of times on the pod. Fortunately. Uh, and <laughs> some of the things we talked about previously on the other episode was previously draft on needs. Power. Previously on previously on the duo. <laughs> uh we got a receiver. We got two receivers. Mm-hmm. Our first two picks. Actually three receivers. You no, know, who's counting? Three. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would yeah. <laughs> um Drew Lock. 
let's 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 first start with Julak here. We drafted Julak last year in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he got hurt early in the preseason, so he didn't play at all. So we were stuck with Flacco. Um, we were stuck with. Uh, no man, you don't you don't have to you don't have to follow that with anything else. You can just say, yeah. The first sentence would be, and the first and last sentence is, we had Joe Flacco. That is it. Yes, ex- exactly. That works in every and year. <laughs> Drew Lock Drew Lock came in last five games, led us to a four and one record. Ball. So we rolling with Drew. We got to get Drew weapons. We lost Emmanuel Sanders last year in the trade. Basically, it was just my boy Corlin Sutton out there balling. No offense. Came on late. Early he was shaky. He came on late. But he's he's a he's a weapon too. So we we gotta we gotta get Drew Lock weapons. We settled that with speed. We got we signed Melvin Gordon in the offseason to compliment Philip Lindsay. Right. Uh draft, we got Jerry Judy, speedster, can run routes, can catch. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about Jerry Judy. We got KJ Hamler, another speedster. We got we got speed, which I, I'm happy about. I hope that you know these guys can groom and learn together. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see. You know they're very young still, so I'm. You know it might take you know a few games to get grooving, maybe even a whole season to get fully groomed. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see the future of uh, the op- offense, the uh, Broncos' offense. Uh, we got our center, Cushionberry uh, from LSU. He's going to be starting day one. Yeah, that was a steal. Uh, one thing that I'm still shaky on that we did not settle is that left tackle position. We didn't draft one. Elway said it's going to be a competition between Bowles and Wilkinson, which I'm hoping look, Wilkinson. <laughs> he said, look, we got you all. He pulled you pulled your quarterback in the office. And said, look, we don't know what we're going to do about protection. However, in the <laughs> 1.3 seconds that you have after you receive the ball, you have so many options. Just yeah. don't, just don't die between, yeah, <laughs> between the cadence and, and receiving the ball. You should be and, fine. And one thing I will say about Bowles, he gave me a headache last year, but towards the end of the year when Drew Lock came and started, he did better, and I think that's because Drew Lock can run a little bit. Yeah. Flacco is like a statue, so no mobility. Drew Lock can continue to right, right. Having that mobility helps out the line. So if he finishes or starts the season the way he finished last year, I'd be okay with it. But I hope down the line we can still address that position. Um, still a lot of time left. Things. There's still a lot of time left. There's still some yeah. pretty decent free agents out there. I mean, defensive-wise. I don't know, I don't know, but just, you know. We got uh, Albert O. from Missouri, Drew Locke's yeah. old buddy in college, fastest tight end in the combine. Red zone, red zone machine right there, bro. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, he can come in and help us out on the offensive side. But we got a couple of other guys in here, too. Uh, corner, Michael O from Iowa. I won't say his name because I can't say it. For the most part, man, I, I, I'm happy with what we got. We got some defenders to uh, show up that Chris Harris, because Chris Harris is gone. So we got A.J. Boye coming in. Uh, hopefully, Callahan can play uh, down. He didn't play at all last year. Well, overall, I'm happy, man. I'm I'm really happy about how things came out. So hmm. we got the extra playoff spot in the AFC, so maybe we could snag that. But uh, how about them Cowboys? Hmm. Oh, let me help you out with Mike's last name. I got you. Just so if you want to know how to pronounce his last name, just think of 
<laughs> just think of OJ, okay? Uh, football OJ, not off-field OJ. So it's, just say it with me, O. O. J. J. Moo. Moo. D. D. Uh. OJ Madua. OJ Mudia. OJ, ah. OJ Mudia. OJ Mudia. <laughs> just say it like five times fast, because there are going to be a lot of people that say my man's name wrong. Um, he's me, Nigerian. Yeah, he's a Nigerian brother, so make sure you get that name right. You know what I'm saying? It means a lot to people. If you want to be respectful and mindful of them, you get their name right. You want people to call your name right. So as a person who sure. people get their, people get my name wrong all the time, so I always have to be you know polite and stern and be like, hey, it's Dane. It's not Dana. It's not Dante. It's not James. Dane. Sorry, that came out of somewhere personal deep down inside, but I want you to move Um... <laughs> so the Dallas Cowboys wow uh the consensus my consensus I did seven mock drafts leading up to draft day and you were Twitter. posting them on Twitter posting yeah. them every day just to you know it is just because anything could happen there's only one scenario that I had with a receiver a top three receiver falling to the Cowboys and that was with actually Jerry Judy um, I had no idea that C.D. Lamb was going to fall at 17. But when I seen he made it past 10 and then 12, I was like, okay, this might be a real thing. Um, the Cowboys have had a rich history in reaching for their draft picks. By that, I mean, instead of drafting the best player available, most of the time what they've done is they drafted at a particular position of need, even though that particular player wasn't the best player available. Now, when you're drafting, when you have a first round pick, you want to make sure you get the bang for your buck. And by doing that, you pick the best person available. Well, anybody does anybody knows that our defense is our defense is hor- well, quick. Our scheme and or our defense was horrible. I'm going to go out on the record and say the scheme and the defense was horrible last year. So with that being said, I assumed that we were going to go with the defensive player. Now on the board at 17, I thought we were going to go with Chase on, which I was I'd be cool with. Right. This is the day before the draft. Now, when it got to 17, the day of the draft, I was like, you know what? Woo! Another receiver wouldn't be too bad right now, especially someone is, you know, NFL ready and CD Lamb. So we went Lamb at 17, and I was super excited. Definitely would never have predicted that he would have fallen that far, but we feel the need as a third receiver slot. Um, you know, he can play all three positions. Uh, he's a great route runner. He doesn't have, you know, super breakaway speed, but he the quickness off the line and knowing how to get open, knowing when to get open and getting open is what he does well. And then of course, after the catch, uh, many of you Baylor fans, you should know about him after the catch as well as UT fans. Unfortunately, unfortunately we do. Yeah. So we handled that need, maybe get Dak some more weapons that way. Uh, so he had plenty last year, but see how that played out, but they did address the defense with the remainder of the draft picks or, with the exception of two of the remaining draft picks, they went long. Their corners, they targeted long athletic corners. So I guess the prototype they might have had in mind was like Aqib Tlaib or your Antonio Rogers Cromartie type build. Because that's the, that's the, the proto, uh, not the prototype. That's the, yeah, that's the body type that kept coming up. You know, when they drafted Trevon Diggs and then when they drafted uh, Reggie Robinson, the second, they even got some dogs on the line. They got 
Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma, and then uh, about Bradley. that guy. Oh yeah, that that dude. So I didn't realize the earlier years, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sooner fans. Some of what I've heard from Oklahoma Twitter was that he was the main reason why he wasn't as productive as he was in his final year in Oklahoma is because he was playing in a scheme or they was playing basically playing out of position. He was being asked to do uh, certain things that you know they weren't necessarily speaking to his strengths. So his final year playing under a different playing a different role on the team, he was able to produce a little bit better. So. I haven't gone back and looked at the guy's film or anything like that, but I'm excited to have a, a bigger body yeah. down there because we typically, our draft motto for defensive linemen has always been the smaller, quicker guys. And I never, underst- I never understood getting 285-pound tackles. Like, I never understood that. No offense to the smaller, undersized defensive tackles, but the the – Game of football, everybody knows it always starts in the trenches. You getting blown mm-hmm. off the line like we did mm-hmm. in the playoffs versus the Rams two years ago, then it's never, definitely not going to be an answer to the problem. So, and then of course the probably my favorite pick of the entire night was um, the defensive end out of Utah, uh, Bradley and I. He, you know, has their sack record and he's very, 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 very aggressive. So I think we're missing that from that opposite end of uh of tank so yeah i'm excited i'm excited it seemed like both both of our squads you know had did what we wanted them to do yeah which is shocking i can't remember the last time it's happened happened like that since like 2010 that both teams Mm -hmm. drafted the way that they were supposed to Mm -hmm. the same year Cause that was yeah. the year that you y'all got with Demarius Thomas and we got Des Bryant. Yep. Yep. It's like the same player. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, we had that bet too. <laughs> yeah, we did. You remember that? Yeah, I remember the bet. <laughs> I remember the bet. You were, you remember the bet? I got I look. Funny thing, I got a bet with another Broncos fan. My brother, um, he was like, "We got a, we got the best receiver." I was like, "Okay, um, so let's let's put some money on it." So, well, not really money. Basically, whoever scores, whichever receiver scores the most touchdown, the loser has to buy their press in the jersey. So, Dang, by December. Yeah, so. All right, that's a good bet. Yeah, yeah so. That's Hopefully it works out. Because you have the, you have the, you know, it's weapons crazy on both sides, so mm-hmm. those touchdowns could be, like, split like crazy. Then you got Drew Luck. He's young. He's still young and inexperienced. So, that's that's a good bet. Um, that's a lot of mouths to feed on the yeah. offense, so. Safe to say we were both satisfied with how our picks went, but there there were a couple of surprises that happened in the drive or yeah. drive, draft, specifically Jordan Love going to the Packers. <laughs> the Packers trading up him and his buddies. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Man. I'm I'm gonna put you in the mind of the oh, Green Bay Packers front office. <laughs> not Greg Jennings, not this time. I'm gonna put you in the mind of the Green Bay Packers right here, Dane. For sure. What 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 were you thinking trading up to draft Jordan Love? You know what? Um, my name right now is Aaron Rodgers. I am shocked, appalled. Feel like I got punched in the gut 17 times uh, by the Big Show. So this is uh, incompetence. Just having no words. <laughs> this is incompetence. Uh, I haven't, 
I've only, I only look. I'm gonna steal this. I'm gonna steal this little piece of stat that I've seen online. I have only thrown one touchdown <laughs> to a first round wide receiver in my career. <laughs> That's crazy. Abyss. I don't know that. So bold, bro. Like, yeah. You, as someone who has, or the Cowboys, we now have the, of course, the old coach from Green Bay. Um. You know, he won a title there in Green Bay. He was able to successfully transition from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So to see that this is the crap that he had to put up with the entire time that he was there is kind of like a not a reality check, but it's like, dang, so it was really bad. They doing they still doing boneheaded stuff regardless of who, who the coach is. Or, so sucks to be him, but, you know, you got you to make do with what you got while you got your job, brother. Yeah, and it's and, – and- I I don't know, bro. You got Aaron Rodgers still playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. I, I why not get him somebody to throw the ball to? Y'all y'all were in the NFC Championship game last year, almost in the Super Bowl, and your first pick is uh let me get a backup for that game. Well, let me let me not get him away. Let me correct you there, Deontay. They actually do have someone he could throw the ball to. They got him in the third round. It's actually a tight end. <laughs> not a receiver now i'm aaron Rodgers. now i'm aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and it wasn't even a top receiver it's like a random like wait who yeah yeah so yeah so that was another surprise and then surprise. in the second round uh <laughs> we i know i'm going with this <laughs> sorry uh philly fans oh my gosh um you got jalen hurts from Oklahoma and Alabama drafted in the second round to the Philadelphia Eagles after you signed Carson Wentz to a big oh, contract. Um, after you guys were okay, let me preface: they got they got Jalen Rager from TCU in the first yeah, round. Good pick. They traded for Marquise Goodwin from the Niners. They drafted a few more receivers that I don't have in front of me. They got some receivers, but. And I read a lot of tweets from different analysts, different people talking about the pick, and they were talking about how they wanted to use Jalen Hurts as a Taysom Hill type athlete. That's, uh, I don't know if you draft him in the second round if you want to do that. Yeah, I don't. That's distasteful. That's a lazy. I don't. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. Car- Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz is a professional, top of the line guy. He's never going to tell you that he's upset with the pick. No. He's already embraced Jalen Hurts from what I saw already. He's going to be rolling with the punches regardless. I don't think it'll affect him, but I think for the Philadelphia Eagles, you got needs on the defensive side of the ball that yeah. you still need to address. In my opinion, at the cornerback position, you got Slay from the Eagles, but I mean, you got to get somebody on the other side because every corner that they had in that lineup last year was getting roasted. Every single one. Yeah. So if you went and got Darius Slay on one side, that's fine. But okay, y'all got Darius Slay. Wherever Darius Slay is lining up, I'm going to the other side. And there were plenty you know of saying? there were plenty of good corners on the board. There's plenty of yeah. good corners on the board when they picked Hurts. But I mean, yeah, as a as a Cowboy fan, I know you're elated. You're like, hey, do what y'all do over there in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see y'all boys in September. <laughs> now, I it's it does suck. Cause I know exactly how I know exactly how it feels to draft a, for when your team drafts a player. And it's like, man, what the hell is this? But at the same time, yeah, 
I I was wrong about the Travis Frederick draft draft pick. I was wrong about the Leighton Vanderesh draft pick. I didn't even like the Zeke pick when we first got him. So those three players in recent history that I was wrong about because I didn't like I didn't like the picks at the time and they've turned out fantastic. So who knows? Yeah. This pick, the second round pick yeah. that they got, it might turn out really well. And you know, they might forget about all these things. But at the same time, a lot of the way that these contracts are structured in the NFL, they have a way out after a number of years. So that might be the case with wins. Yeah. And fortunately, you don't want to say that as a as no correction. As a Philly fan, you might not want to admit that that might be the direction they're going in, but what are the choices they have? Shout out to them for being bold enough to stick into their guns to drafting a quarterback who could potentially have a number of starts based on the health of your your franchise guy. But at the same time, you I mean, I would hope or anticipate that you're rooting for your team for the sake of the team and not for a particular person. Um, that's, that's OK if that's your thing. But I said that because and I heard. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I cut you off. Go ahead. I'll, I'll remember. <laughs> no, I said that because for you, to, if there's a lot of people who have been turned off by the pick and say, you know, I'm not rooting for this team and stuff like that. It's like, well, that's stupid. Like, you're going to throw your whole fandom away because you drafted one guy who's not even going to be your starter, who's going to be there to help your starter, who might not even be the starter. Speaking of Hurts, he might not be the starter. But, I mean, you got to do whatever is best for the team. And if you have a guy who has some – injury red flags who has been injured in all levels of football in their life, then you have to do the best to protect the remainder of your team. Don't leave them high and dry. So, Yeah. Know. And, you know, to defend the pick, um, Carson Wentz has a little injury history. We know he hasn't finished a season healthy since he's been in the league. Am I saying that correct? No, you got it. You got the last three, four years, right? He hasn't finished. He hasn't completed season and well last year he got hurt during the playoff game but i guess you can say that he didn't finish the season yeah because that yeah the season yeah you're right hasn't completed the season yet fully 16 games well he has completed 16 games last year but the full season i guess it's semantics yes for the sake of the argument he has not finished an entire season so i could see them you know thinking they need insurance on that end because in the middle of the playoff game last year, he couldn't finish concussion. Yeah. Uh, they had McCown come in and he was McCown. Shout so, out to, shout out to Sam Houston's own Josh McCown. Yeah. And he was out there playing oh, on that torn, either torn or sprained quad that game. Yeah, so I think it was torn. Yeah. I think it was torn. It was a ball. Shout out so, to Josh McCown and McCowns. Yeah. So I can see, I, I can see in that aspect, but I mean, like you said, we could be wrong about it we could be years down right. the road. We or we could be right, so let's just wait and see. But and then that's another that's another thing about rating these drafts, saying like, "Oh, my team got an A plus on the draft." Like they might have got an A plus on the selection of the player, but you won't really be able to determine that until three or four years down the line to see how their how the the contracts held up, how their production held up, uh, if they're a bust or not, and how much that they contributed, and you know if they're starters or just you know just jags. So. Yeah. Was there uh, any other surprises, things that caught you off guard? Mm, was there surprises that I can think of? Hmm. Surprises that I can think of. Yes. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, no. Everybody knew. Anybody who watches Georgia football knows that 
Jake Fromm isn't the guy um, they thought he was going to be. But it was funny that there was an article some years back, I guess when Fromm might have still been, he, he probably just stepped on campus at Georgia. And the article was like, Jake Fromm, you know, number one quarterback drafted in the 2020 draft. And of course, that article floated back up came back to the surface after he got drafted in the fifth round. So that was kind of fun. Not funny, but it was just kind of ironic because it just shows just how much we overrate players and put so much pressure on these guys at such a young age. And then three, four years later down the line, they might not even be a shell of what we thought they were going to be. So got to temper right. expectations sometimes. But outside of that, I thought he was going to be gone in the third round, but he ended up falling to the fifth. So we'll see how that works for him out in Buffalo. Yeah. I don't know about any other shocks or surprises. Is there anybody? I'll add in. Um, this thing popped up. I'll add in the Panthers just going all defense. Never mm. been done before, uh, or had it been done a long time ago. I don't know the correct stat, but Matt Rule coming from. It's not a surprise for me because Matt Rule is coming from my alma mater, and he. Where's that like, again? Please, uh, please uh, tell us again. Do I have it? I don't have it anywhere in my room. Come on, man. Uh, it's on my background. Uh, Baylor. Um, Casual. Coming from the background, you know, he came from Baylor. He wrote or elevated the level of play of our defense. And he's trying to do the same thing with Carolina. They did a, He did an interview with uh, SportsCenter down the line or a few days ago, and he was talking about their strategy is to go free agency on offense, build the draft or build the defense through the draft. They went every draft pick. Uh, they chose your boy from um, West Virginia, they Robinson. They got some dogs on their yeah. defense, got bro. my boy James uh, – not James Lynch. Uh, Bravion Roy from Baylor. Mm-hmm. They picked uh, Robinson. Who else did they get, Dane? They got Derek, they got Derek Brown. They got Utah Gross Models. Oh, they got Derek Brown, Utah Gross Models, Jeremy Chin. He's a – He's basically uh FCS version of Isaiah Simmons. Uh Troy Pride mm-hmm. Jr. from Notre Dame. He's Pride. gonna be he's gonna be on NFL network after football is over with. Like after his football career is over with, he's gonna be on NFL Network as one of like the color analysts. Um Kenny Robinson Jr. from the XFL. Of course, your boy from Baylor, and then the last guy, Snitley Thomas Oliver out of Florida yeah. International. So yeah, they got I mean, some dogs, bro. No, no surprise. That's what he's trying to do: build the defense. I don't necessarily see the Panthers as a playoff team because that division is brutal. I got them at eight and eight. Eight and eight. That's that's not bad. That's not that, bad. they'll be fighting for a spot too. That's not bad. I've got them um, eight and eight. But that was kind of a not a surprise, but like a hey there kind of moment. It was like, um, oh, this is what he does. Like this, you aren't yeah. surprised. It's like, oh, this is business as usual. Yeah. Right. Right. They had a good draft, though. Like, yeah. They had a really good draft. And the, yeah. So, you know who else had another good draft? Well, I think, in my, in my personal opinion, for me, they got the draft MVP as far as getting ahead of ourselves and saying someone did a good job at a draft before we're able to fully evaluate the players at least three or four years down the road. (laughs) I say the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. So I'm just going to read off real quick who they got and 
it's not so much as who they got, but it's like when they got the players. So of course they the first pick off the board was Patrick Queen, who honestly probably should have been the second linebacker off the board, but who's counting? They got J.K. Dobbins in the second round, which is an absolute steal. Somebody for Lamar Jackson to rely on. I mean, not to say, you know, he can't, you know, win a game himself. He can, but every quarterback needs that guy that they could just hand the rock off to and let them do the thing. So they got that in J.K. Dobbins. Ohio State guys went crazy about that. They got Justin Matabike from Texas A&M. Uh, that guy could probably do one, the two, and the three tech. Uh, they got Devin Duvernay from Texas. Um, a lot of Baylor fans should be very, very familiar with him as well. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> him down though. Okay, okay, okay. My bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Everyone should know about Devin Duvernay. Um, but he's not even he's not even my favorite wide receiver pick. They got they got James Prochet out of SMU, which is I think is many people uh should consider. He bought out. He bought out. Yeah. Many people can, can should consider based on where SMU was, you know, 30 years from 30 years ago, about 30 years ago, where they're at now. I think that's pretty amazing. But baby wide receiver, you not saying they are wide receiver, you, but consider the people who come from that university, that program in the past few years and just how successful they are pushing out those when NFL ready route running wide receivers. Um, but they got they got some pretty good dogs on 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 their end too, for a good value. So that's my draft MVP. By getting ahead of us, or getting ahead of ourselves without being able to fairly evaluate the players and the snap counts and the contributions they have to the team within the next three or four years. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. So overall, we felt like the draft was a success. Yeah, kind of had a little nick nick picks here and there. We talked about those, but. Um, Considering where we were or what we thought a few weeks ago, Dane, you know, we our concerns was the hiccups and would you say that you're surprised with how it went and overall satisfied with everything you saw from this weekend? I am surprised. I love, 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 love situations like this when I can admit that I was wrong because it's one of those situations yeah. where you're thankful to admit that you're wrong because if you're admitting that you're right, it's more than likely because it went really bad. So I predicted it was gonna be yeah. really, really, really bad. Only thing I'd probably change is probably them constantly reminding us that the very thing that we were trying to escape by watching the draft is COVID nineteen. Like we were trying to get away as far away from that reality as possible by watching just excitement of these players get selected to possibly their dream teams. But every commercial or every you know before every pick, we had you know everybody in the medical oh, shout out to everybody in the medical field that's on the front lines of helping flatten the line for this thing. So or flatten the curve for this thing. So we appreciate y'all and your hard work and your dedication and spending time with your families and doing what you do best and save lives. Appreciate y'all for that. However, yeah, they I kept agree. trying to make us like feel depressed about everything COVID-19 related. Like, you know, just that's my only gripe about it, but it was great. It was, it was, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Shout out to NFL for my expectations. Cause I didn't think I'd pull it off. Probably should consider moving forward, moving Probably should consider moving forward with this uh, this system in place next year. I mean, yeah. even if things are good. Cause... I, and Roger, he kind of mentioned it, how successful he was, and I think he was kind of surprised about how successful it was. But he had mentioned um, kind of doing some aspect of virtual in future drafts. You know, they, got, they already said Cleveland is next year, and then after that Vegas will get 
its bid back because they lost it this year. Maybe we'll see more behind the scenes uh, for add some type of aspect of virtual and seeing behind the scenes and access that we got this year. So uh, shout out to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. It was better than we thought it would be for sure. And to stay along with the NFL news, Dane, did you get to read that article about the schedule? About the contingency plan? Yeah. Uh, I glanced over it, but um, take and it away it's, it's, and I would chime in. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not going. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not going to go that route. <laughs> for, for those for those listening and watching, uh, with COVID nineteen going on right now, there is a lot of uncertainty about when and if sports will come back, and I think. Before I even go into this article, I think that's like uh, like the world as a whole. And then if you bring it down to the sports world, we don't know the best way to put this. We don't know what we don't know. And what I mean by that is we're not sure if this virus is coming back. Oh, it's going to show up. We're not sure. We're not, you know. And you got, yeah, you got governors reopening states. You got people still getting the virus, you know, even in Texas, close in Waco. The lack of of tests. The lack of tests number number one. There's there's just, to be be short and and frank, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. We don't know a lot of things about this virus, and that can only trickle down to sports. Oh, Dane said (laughs) there's money involved. (laughs) But... There is money to but, be made. But and these, okay, yeah, these folks will be damned <laughs> to delay their precious baby. Yeah. For the sake so, of saving lives. <laughs> this this article is talking about different meetings and plans that the NFL is meeting about, talking about, which they have to do this, right? right. Because you have to plan. No, regardless of what happens, you always want to be a step ahead. You always want to have something ready. Oh, yeah. So this particular plan is talking about starting the NFL regular season um, in October with the Super Bowl in February, the end of February, uh, on February 28th, uh, with no bye weeks, no Pro Bowl. Allowing, it's basically pushing the season back, but also scrunching the season into a little ball, like, they're trying to be be, they're trying to finish everything by february um basically it's just talking about different schedulers trying to go through different aspects of it it's just a small contingency plan and go ahead dane you know what this reminds me of deontay is it saying this guy you you might have heard it before he said anytime you try to win a war (laughs) you know i'm headed with this yes 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 (laughs) Innocent people die. Yeah. Anytime you try to end a war before, you know, I can't remember how the exact quote goes, but anytime you try to end a war before before it starts. Before it starts, innocent people die. Innocent people die. That's Captain Steve Rogers. And that's almost I mean, I hate to be dramatic here, but that's that could very well be a possibility. If all of our brightest minds and doctors have said and have cautioned us plenty of times about if we just Handle our business, do what we're supposed to do now, stay at home, and take these precautions. We'll be fine eventually. But if you try to rush back before things are 
Yeah. Cause I'm I ain't I'm not a medical professional. I ain't gonna try to say that I am. I'm not gonna try to say that I'm oh I've read these articles. No, no, no. But there are so many instances where we can just wait if we could just wait this thing out and do what we're supposed to, we'll be it'll be everything will be back up and running. Hopefully. It's yeah. way too much at stake, man. Be patient. Let the doctors do their thing, the the professionals. And I agree with that. Wash your um, damn this, hands. this basically schedule was uh just a plan. Um, not much was in this article, but I kind of want to just get your thoughts about that. And oh yeah, we honestly, it's just th- what I think about this article and what I think about this situation is like you said, we gotta wait. We don't know. Nope. We don't know. We don't know. Um, I think we'll know more probably by the summertime when they really have to make their decisions on what's going to happen. But at this time, we we just don't know. Don't know what we don't know. Yeah. We don't exactly. We don't know what we don't know, man. We spoke on last podcast about the uh, G League signing those two top recruits. Mm. And then on yesterday. Yesterday? What happened? Uh, yesterday, Dane. Dane, what is that recruit's name? Because I don't have it in front of me. Um, they just said his name on the radio yesterday. I was listening to it. From I just know he was, he was going. <laughs> he was supposed to be going to UCLA. Yeah. But homie, yeah, why? We don't have his name. We're we're professionals here, as you can see. We don't have his name, but uh, there was a top five recruit that was originally committed to UCLA, and Dane's looking up the name for me right now. But he decommitted from UCLA, and he signed or Deshaun Nicks. Deshaun Nicks. There we go. Decided he was going to sign with the G League. Um, and like we said on last episode, we're going to see more top prospects go in this direction. Mm-hmm. We see the you know, the opportunity to get paid and get seen on a professional level and not have to deal with the inner workings, uh, the NCAA, in which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But that instant jump, yeah, it's coming. you know, going yeah, it's straight, coming. right. It's, it's going to roll. It's, it's like we already seen the tri- trickle effect. You're going to see more top prospects go this route. It's like, hey, I, I'll spend a year in the G League and get paid $500,000 and go in this next year's draft and, you know, get my brand up there and play against professionals at the same time, get paid, not have to deal with the NCAA. And it's it for them, it's simple math and stuff that makes sense. And you're just going to keep seeing that over the the course of the next few months and years until the NCAA does something about it, which this morning 
You need a drum roll? Kind of see. Yeah, give me that drum roll. <laughs> so the NCAA is seeing these top prospects go uh, the G League route and, you know, bypass NCAA decommitting from these top programs. And so Shams from uh, Twitter tweeted this morning, the NCAA says it is expected to adopt new name, image, and likeness rules for athletes starting 2021-22, allowing them to receive compensation for third-party endorsements and opportunities such as social media, businesses, and personal appearances. Mm. And this is kind of drawn out. And so there it's not official yet, but they're supposed to vote on it by January 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Um, for our NCAA football players, a lot of us read that and hear that and think, oh, man, NCAA football is coming back. Uh, they tweeting at EA Sports, tweeting at, you know, people that's in charge there. But we're not there yet. I mean, there's a chance somewhere down the line that NCAA or EA Sports can start making NCAA games. And the reason why, and I can't find that language in front of me. Oh, here we go. I found it. It says, at this time, the working group is also not recommending any changes to NCAA rules to permit group licenses of student-athlete NIL is what are characterized as group products, like video games. Mm. There are legal hurdles to such activity that preclude it as a realistic option for implementation at this time. The working group recommends that the NCAA continues to explore whether those legal hurdles can be overcome through efforts described in Section 6 so that this issue can be revisited in 2021 or later. So, for example, from what I got from it and by doing a little bit of research. So with our sports groups, uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, they all have unions, right? They're all in a group. Mm-hmm. So those group and unions sign deals with the makers of EA sports games, sports games like that. The NCAA does not have a union. The, the student-athletes don't have a union. Can't unionize, so it's, not yet. Right, not right. Yet. So what the NCAA is saying here, which I, I there's ways, in my opinion, that it can be done. But NCAA is, we know that we, we talked about how slow-footed the NCAA is and how they've been setting their ways. So in my personal opinion, I think we will see video games down the line. But NCAA, it, they're just taking their time with it. Oh, yeah. Hope they're pr- hoping and praying all these repercussions that or these scenarios and contingency plans don't go the way that don't benefit them, if that makes yeah. sense what I just said, maybe. Basically, NCAA, like, wait a minute. They call them our bluffs. Mm-hmm. Like, man. We knew this day would come. We just didn't know it was going to come this soon. Yeah. Like, just it's just baby steps, man. And it's, in my opinion, it's a knee jerk reaction. As far as we've we've been t- telling the like not us personally, but you know, <laughs> NCAA have been receiving a lot of grief about getting with the times, and you see these players, and you're going to continue to see these players make these decisions to not 
partaking what the NCAA is giving them. Mm-hmm. So NCAA is like, hey, we we okay, all right, this stuff they've been telling us for years. Okay, let's let's do this. Let's finally get with the times. Let's um get with what we got to do to ensure our product, our players, our prospects stay with us. And so, but I mean, that's that's pretty much what I got to say. Hey, if you bro. add, a, you gotta add another wrinkle to that though. You gotta add the wrinkle to dot 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 italicize as well as put an asterisk next to oh dang we gotta you know this coronavirus affecting not only the lives of our students but uh we might not even get athletic seasons coming up so what is this gonna do to our income Mm -hmm. the money that we make off of these students. Yeah. I mean, the money we that we uh, didn't even have <laughs> we didn't have 85% of our budget from March Madness come in. We didn't have a March Madness. Nope. Uh we losing money left and right. What we so, got to do type thing. It, with the NCAA seasons in jeopardy the way that they are, the and of course the NBA talk and I might be getting ahead of myself so I apologize, but the NBA considering openings based on the state's designation is huge for a lot of these players that have already committed to the G League. So the NBA TV subscriptions might be going through the roof if more and more of these prospects continue to make that step about, you know, decommitting from these universities and, of course, going ahead and getting their worth um, elsewhere. So shout out to them for taking that step. It's a huge leap of faith. And they're all, you know, if anybody's equipped to do it, it's certainly these young guys. For anybody asking what this ruling means, there is a list of bullet points I'm going to read that kind of goes, kind of breaks it down to make it easier to understand. So it says, according to a source, the working group intends to recommend the following possible changes, and the possible changes are in quotation marks. So it allows student athletes to make money by modeling apparel as long as that apparel doesn't include school logos or other school marks which kind of goes back to the point of video games. I mean, you can't have an NCAA football game without the schools and their logos, right? Uh, Allow athletes to make money from advertisements. Mm. Athletes would be allowed to identify themselves as collegiate athletes in advertisements, but would not be allowed to reference the school they attend or include any school marks in the advertisement. Okay. Prohibit athletes. Now this, this is the prohibit part. Prohibit athletes from marketing products that conflict with NCAA legislation, such as gambling operations or banned substances. Individual schools would also be allowed to prohibit athletes from marketing products that do not line up with school values. So the school still has a say in some of the stuff, too. Uh, Allow athletes to hire an agent to help procure marketing opportunities. So as long as the agent does not seek professional sports opportunities for the client during his or her college career. And then finally, require athletes to disclose the details of all endorsement contracts to the athletic department. The working group would recommend further discussion about whether a third party should be involved in overseeing the disclosure in a way that prevents endorsement deals from becoming improper recruiting incitement. So to that last one is kind of talking about having a recruiting advantage over like a big school that can offer these endorsement deals and so on and so forth. But it's. It's a slow first step 
from the NCAA because they're pushing this thing to January 2021, man. This should have been done years ago. So they're they're moving, but they're in quicksand. Yep, they're doing it. So I mean, it's a it's a, a move in the right direction, Just but they're moving slow. They're Here's, moving slow. It's cool. Uh, anything else you got to say about this one, bro? Nah, it's just, it's good to see this finally taking place. Um, I mean, the only people who are going to be shaking in their boots are these, well, if, because I'm sure this doesn't happen, NCAA uh, bag men, I'm sure that's not a thing. It doesn't exist, but I'm sure those guys are pretty, oh man, what's going to happen? And then, of course, you got yeah. your opportunities to go, so take advantage of that or, you know. Could end up like James Wiseman if you don't. So, man, James Wiseman. last episode we preview what to expect from the last dance uh chicago bull documentary since that episode there's been four episodes and man oh man every sunday at eight i'm glued to my tv i'm telling karina to to you know hush (laughs) (laughs) not really she watches it with me which is pretty cool and i know nisi watches it with you oh yeah and uh so episodes, we'll, we'll we'll talk about episodes one and two first, and then try to get into what happened in three and four. So, from what I can remember, episode one kind of echoed Jordan's, and 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 before I even go into that, Dane, spoiler alert, kudos, yeah, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the Last Dance, if you haven't seen part, it. Don't podcast, don't listen. Don't watch. Just. Yeah, don't do it. I need a, I need a spoiler alert uh button sound to play. <laughs> we all know how it ended, but seeing the journey and the detailed intricacies of all these interviews and just the footage is it's totally worth it. So if you right. haven't watched it, please do not listen or watch this yet. Do yourself a yeah. favor and watch it. My bad, bud. Go ahead, take right. it, take it away. You good? But I was gonna say before I even talk about the episodes. What I've already enjoyed about how they set this up, and shout out to the producers, directors, mm-hmm. people who worked on this doc. It's not your typical documentary. It's not chronological. Nope. They will they will take you to a certain part of the Bulls run, and they'll mention something like Jordan growing up. Uh, later on, they talk about Pittman, Pippen, excuse me, <laughs> and then they'll go all the way back to when they were born their early life. So it's like a, it jumps in time and it gives it's you more in depth about each. Yeah. It, it works though. perfect. It's so it, whoever's idea was, 
was it to do it that way? It, it's perfect. Um, so you kind of get a back and forth jump between Jordan early Jordan early years and the uh, how he grew up, and then in college. And one particular thing that caught my eye and ear from the first episode was it talked about Jordan's drive, his willingness to be the best. Mm. And then they go back in time, him growing up with his brothers and his father. And it was talking about how his dad kind of favored the older brother. I can't remember his name, but favored his older brother over Michael. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Michael was talking about how he always fought with his brothers to be the best and everything they did. Literally. And I think him and Larry, him and Larry used to go at it. Right. And so, it talks about how his dad kind of, you know, hey, Michael, you know, Michael wasn't really uh, not the best. He was just kind of shooing him off. And you see, Mike wanted that, not not that attention, but he wanted he his, wanted his acceptance. Right, his acceptance. And so that was only a small little crevice of what built inside of him to be like, hey, this this is who I am. I'm about to drive to be the best. I'm about to grind hardest. Nobody's going to beat me. Nobody's going to do this. I'm going to show my dad wrong, I think, in my mind. I don't know if he ever came out and said it in the doc, I'm driving this way to prove my dad wrong, but that's what I got from him because he mentioned how he was always fighting with his brothers to be the best, mm-hmm. and I think that small part of him drove him to continue to grind, uh, grind, drive every day and be the best, continue to be top of the line elite at everything he did and so i like how that part of the documentary was kind of emphasized and brought to light uh another part um and then i'm gonna let you talk about yeah. certain stuff um scotty pippen his where he came from man and this dude was a manager Man, for a ball boy, uh, right? Small time manager, small time, and I didn't even know this. And that's one of the things we talked about last either. episode is learning things that we didn't know about certain people. We know about Jordan, but going behind the scenes and getting how they came to be. And you know, we talked about how we were little kids, mm-hmm. and so all of this is coming together and learning these things has been amazing. Uh, but to go back to Scotty. He was a manager for this D3 whatever small school and he grinded literally grinded and got him a scholarship grew like 7 6 inches I don't know how many it was but grew and bought out and earned himself a uh, first round pick that's like that's the true underdog story that they show you for Scottie Pippen and then you see that later on in the documentary during that last year where he got hurt or whatever and or his salary was the salary he was underpaid. Dog. He had signed like a, a seven at the time he signed a seven year however many deal. It was top it was still top ten, but being locked in for so long, the salary changed, the Man. you know, everything went up. And didn't he didn't benefit nobody but the owners. And they weren't trying to hear right. it. Old dude said, well, if you've already been paid, I don't want to hear anything. 
Right, right. And so they had the owner on the the owners on the dock, but the GM Jerry Krause passed away a few years ago. But um, that's that like showing him coming from that underdog story of GM, and then comparing that to now how he was still underrated, underpaid. It kind of connected that underdog mentality of Scottie Pippen and who he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scottie Pippen is still like a, was one of the top fifty players of all time, and yeah. he continues even to this day to be underappreciated. And it yep. kind of connected with that underdog value, and that's one of the things I liked about the first two episodes. But uh, what about you, bro? I appreciated one of the one of the things that I love the most is watching movies that have anything to do with a concept of time or space-time continuum, anything like that. So, you know, Interstellar, Inception, uh, just stuff like that where you have to balance where someone's at in, in their journey and understand how it fits into the plot of the movie. I really appreciate that. So the way that they have been, rec- or the way that they did this documentary where, you know, they detail something from the present, then they go to the past, and then mm-hmm. they go back to the present, then reference the future. And it, I mean, yeah. no, from the future, they reference the past, which is the present of the documentary, which is so amazing. Like, yeah. I don't know how much time or how many people that they needed to write it out in such a way from video evidence, not video evidence, well, from videos or footage that we haven't seen that hasn't touched the the light of day, but they did a magnificent job with that. I really appreciate the honesty is what I like so much. We don't, I haven't caught anybody in a lie yet, but well, they caught Isaiah Thomas in a lie, but we'll probably get to that later. But the one thing I love about documentaries is you have to be honest, especially if they're everyone. Well, unfortunately for Jerry, Everyone, everyone's alive, it's hard for there to be a lie to continue. And especially if there's, you know, more than five people associated with it. And this, you know, the key players, you know, we have Michael Jordan, you have Scottie Pippen, uh, you have uh, Dennis Rodman, uh, you have uh, plenty of coaches, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the remaining roster, a lot of those guys are still alive. So a lot of what they're saying, it matches up. So I appreciate that. Just the not knowing, I you know, we grew up in the 90s, but much of what we know from basketball is, you know, the Bulls, Michael Jordan. um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. As far as championship basketball is concerned, we, we know a lot about the Bulls. And I had no idea, you know, I know a little bit about uh, Dennis Rodman. Um because he's, you know, from this area, but I didn't know anything about Scottie Pippen's story. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. that, like, you know, you know, his father, you know, being confined to a wheelchair. And then of course his brother having, you know, to deal with the same thing. Like that goes back to him uh, with the contract he was signing. He was, uh-huh. he had said in the doc, man, he was just trying to take care of his family. Yeah. And he didn't know whether, you know, how long he would play, you know, Injuries happen all the Nobody time. So knows. Trying to secure, secure finances because a lot of people were getting on Scotty like, hey, man, and, how could you do that? And, you? and at the time, that was a top deal. You mentioned that, too, how much he's underappreciated. He himself yeah. was thinking from a lens of I'm not larger than life. I'm not going to, you know, 
be in this league for 20, 30 years, you know, or 30, that's a bit exaggerated, but you get the point. I'm, yeah. he, he knew his role. He knew, he knew, he knew his role. He was humble about it. So for him to come from the, the perspective that I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring for me, I need, you know, security now. And that's any, anybody who's anybody knows that if they're underpaid based on, you know, the contract that they were issued yesterday, we are all human. There's nothing wrong with being wanting to be paid your worth. If you have a problem with the player not being paid their worth, maybe there's something wrong with you. So, yeah. and that applies even today. So we're mm-hmm. seeing, and that's the sad thing, we're seeing contract negotiations in the way that some of these players are being paid peanuts in the 90s, and we're still seeing that crap today. Yeah. Not so much in the NBA, but still the NFL. But, of course, the NFL is dragging behind the NFL. The NFL is dragging behind me being anyways. But one other thing that I appreciated was just how much Michael stressed his work ethic. Like, just how much he stressed his work ethic. A lot of people believe just because, you know, six foot six and, you know, lean and he's smart, they think that the scoring titles and the defensive accolades and the status that he has that came from that, that dude worked his butt off. Like, mm-hmm. and not, not only in that, but if Dennis Rodman highlighted just how much he worked in his craft too, with the art of rebounding, yeah. like, like who? That was crazy. Like, and that's the part that I was <laughs> most right now. That's the part I'm most fascinated about. Like to have, to be considered a nutcase in a wild card, but you're that intelligent to perfect a craft like that, like that is, he's probably, Dennis Rodman's probably one of the most amazing so far. He's probably the most amazing part of the documentary to me, just based on the four night bender like that. Right. Like that, that alone. Yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's go ahead. And, yeah. Let's get into those next episodes. <laughs> like that yeah. alone was amazing. So, episode, episodes three and four, uh, overview before we break it down oh, yeah. episode three i believe talked about uh the bad boy pistons and then Rodman, and then episode four morley talked about phil jackson mm-hmm. and phil i didn't even know some of those things about phil it was a wild so, boy man <laughs> phil was a wild boy too which kind of explains why he's so cool now yeah, like, he's relaxed <laughs> like, but uh yeah so now I don't have the exact figures in front of me, so forgive me if I'm wrong. But shame on you. Three, I know. Episode three uh, explained Michael's uh, after he got into the playoffs, his continuance going up against the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons uh, two years in a row. Got knocked out by Isaiah Thomas, John Sally, uh, Bill Lambert. Isaiah Thomas still in the league? Damn. <laughs> yeah, that might have went over somebody's funny. head. That, that Isaiah Thomas tweeted, he's like, yeah. "Man, y'all need a minute." Like, like I was guarding Mike. I was like, "Dang, that's funny." People, real people, really. I mean, they both look alike. Yeah, <laughs> they both short. Yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead, bro. No, uh, nah, you good. Uh yeah, he went against those bad boy Pistons with uh Bill Lambeer, John Sally. And every time I th- see John Sally, it's I think like, whoa. Yeah, that's why like because yeah. Karina was like, 
haven't I seen him before? I was like, yeah, baby. We, we watched Bad Boys a few months he ago. He was a hacker. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He was like, he had the glasses and stuff on the computer. And then he uh, stood up and yeah. pointed at Martin. And Martin yeah. was like. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they uh, they were. They were Mike Storm mm-hmm. of, of getting over the hump, obviously. Um, they had the Jordan rules, yeah. which was basically a set of rules they used against Mike Woo! to uh, basically get him out of his game, to get him struggling, things like that. Uh, but Mike Mike basically had to get through the Pistons mm-hmm. during that era to become who he is, to get he on to the that. Right. And so they, episode three kind of breaks down how – Detroit went through Boston before Mike got there. Boston was, you know, Detroit Pistons thrown, uh, thorn in the side. And uh, they were known as the bad boy Pistons because they were – NBA rules back then were nothing like they are now. They allowed them to body guys, oh, yeah. be physical. Literally, you see footage in the documentary of them. Getting uh, – Checking guys, elbowing, putting guys in a full Nelson almost. Yeah. Um, and the we- the refs just like – what you know <laughs> this is normal right <laughs> right this is just that's just how it was then so the bat uh rodman dennis rodman was a part of that team as well and that's when they go in the history of dennis rodman and him he went to a small school in oklahoma mm-hmm. uh he his story was kind of similar to uh pippen not in the sense of you know childhood but right. um growing you know Signing or going to a small school, growing a few inches during the summer and balling out, earning him a spot in the league. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when they went into Rodman and you learn stuff, he, a lot of people said on Twitter and social media how he was the first athlete to Eccentric. have load management. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that term load management came from Dennis Rodman. Mm hmm. And as you know, we talked about how the documentary hops from different time points. So I'm I'm scrambling along talking about it here because it was so much. But it, it it started with Dennis Rodman during that championship run. So we're back into 97, 98. It talks about how Mike needed Dennis Rodman because Scottie Pippen, he was chilling. Scottie was like, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm letting my knee heal. I'm done. Cause back to Jay the contract. Crow- yeah. Jerry Krause, and even before the contract, Jerry Krause, the GM, had said this is the last year. Um, Phil Jackson is gone, and Mike had already said if Phil was gone, he was gone. Yeah, like Jerry Krause was basically saying, "I'm cleaning house." So, in Scotty's mind, he was like, "Hey, you already wrote me off anyway. You don't need me, so I'm not. I'm not doing anything right now." Yeah, and of course, later on, he comes back, but at the time, he was like, "I'm, I'm cool." And so, Mike, you know, they interviewed Mike present day or whatever and he was talking about how he needed Rodman to step up because he didn't have Scotty there and so I like how they mentioned how and I don't even know if it was in the doc or if I thought of this so Shoot, I'm bro. kind of I'll let you know it it seems that what Dennis Rodman what he I wouldn't say feed it on but what his mentality and his mental state was he needed someone to need him Yes. And what I it mean was in the documentary, uh, yes, it was in the doc. Okay, and what I mean by that, Mike, Mike telling Dennis that, hey man, I need you to step up. It's like, okay, I got people depending on me. I got the team depending on me. Elevated his game, elevated his play. I think there was a certain part where, 
okay, maybe I'm getting it mixed up. I think Pippen had came back at that point where he went into his uh, his four day whatever low management. <laughs> uh, but for the for the most part, Dennis Rodman fed off the attention. His his psyche was more invested in being needed. That's how he thrived. Yeah. When he was needed, that's when his game elevated. And I think at that point, Pippen had might have came back. Yeah, that I think I am remembering right. Pippen came back from his hiatus. And at that point, they had mentioned how Dennis, his play declined when Pippen came back. So that yeah, kind of goes he, back. He kept feeling like the, the third string of the odd. Right, the third the wheel. But right. little, little right. did he know that the man, the myth, the legend himself, Michael Jordan, not to be confused with Michael B. Jordan, but I also seen last two weeks, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but little did he know that Mike needed him just as much mm-hmm. as he needed Mike. So, yeah, like, beautiful documentary so far, bro. Like, yeah, it's 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 been mind blowing. It's, it's been good. And then, favorite part? My favorite part so far of the doc. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, I, I should have put that in my notes. I got you. Uh, I got I think, you if you need. If you, ahead, you need a few My favorite part of the documentary was after, uh, you know, Phil, basically his, the, the way that he and Dennis Rodman connected was mm-hmm. amazing. The way that they illustrated that was amazing. Um, but when, Dennis needed his time away, his load management. When he, you know, came to the team, he was like, hey, I just need, but he said 72 hours, right? I think he said 48, 48. Okay. He said 48 hours. I need 48 hours, you know, just to, you know, get my mind straight. And for him, that meant, you know, just going out to Vegas, being in the scene, drinking, probably doing some other uh, illicit things. Um, right. But my favorite part of the documentary so far was, when he was AWOL more than 48 hours and Mike, you know, had to go basically to Las Vegas to go pick him up. So when he got back, they were trying to coach. Phil was trying to condition them or condition him. But of course you punish one person, you got to punish everybody pretty much. Cause you know, that's how accountability works or that's how accountability worked in the NBA back then. I'm not saying it doesn't work now, but that's how it worked back then. So they, you know, making, you know, basically making them do this running activity to get them conditioned. So they're all doing, it's like a pace run. One person, the, I believe how it goes, is the person in the back. The Indian run. Yeah, the Indian run. Mm-hmm. And the funniest part about it is Dennis Rodman trolling the hell out of them. And instead of, they all communicated they were going to be going in, you know, basically a walking pace. And this fool, Dennis Rodman, just sprinting, full sprinting. And this will let people know that he didn't need the conditioning because he could turn it on and turn it off just like that. And that's the, the to me, that's the most fascinating thing about the whole documentary is like you have this person that's people assume or see as this sort of outcast nutcase guy, but he's really like phenomenal when you think about it. Just think about anybody who's anybody, I'm sure they've, you know, consumed their fair share amount of alcohol or whatever you may you know whatever the case may be and you know the effects that it has on you after you know hangover this man did that 
and then some. There's no idea what else he did in four days, and then after that, he was completely fine. Like, yeah, that's not the person to mess with. You leave that person alone because they have their their left and their right brain or whatever. They heard nervous. They got their whole thing figured out. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty fascinating to me. That was my favorite part. And to kind of go what you said about Phil, what other coach would do that? Like, what other coach would let a player, one of their top players, go off the like, hey, all right, just come none. I no, you I don't think you see none now. That's like you'll never see that again, in my opinion. Like nah. that's just a feel. You, that's who Phil is. Phil you was, need so. that psychological safety net. And that's what Phil I get I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's what Phil offered to his players. Like you can you have that with me. We talked about uh Isaiah Thomas and you know Mike finally Mike finally gets over the hump in ninety one, knocks the Pistons off in the Eastern Conference Finals to go into the NBA finals. And then you see the Pistons walking off the court, not shaking hands. Isaiah got ripped for it then and he's still getting ripped for it now. He even came out and said something the other day on Get Up on ESPN about not knowing the implications or how it would affect it now. And even Mike said in the documentary is BS. All, mostly everybody except Bill and Beer, who hates Michael Jordan, uh, kind of said it was BS. And it's BS. <laughs> Isaiah, the the what he had said then was, or what he said in the documentary was like, nobody back then shook hands after they uh, lost. This video footage there, They showed footage in the documentary of Mike the past few years Shaking a hand after he lost, walking on the court, saying they were the better team, all that. Isaiah was just mad. Just say you're a sore loser. You're just butt hurt, bro. Just say that. Just be. People will respect you more. They probably will love you more for saying, you know what? Got my ass kicked, and I didn't want to shake hands with my competitor. The same guy right. that you had had you and your team that took pleasure in knocking out of the playoffs or preventing from getting to the playoffs for the past umpteen years. So. Yeah, you dish it out. You got to be able to take. It. Yeah. So yeah, man, Isaiah, load a load of bull. Come on, basically, Z. you know better, G. A load of bull. Um, one other note I have in here, Dane, and it kind of goes into the next couple episodes of the documentary. They showed a bunch of interviews of Mike after games, before games, practices, mm-hmm. and you know they were talking to him about Pippen coming back if he was retiring. And it showed him working with the media a lot and talking to the media. And I don't know if I'm weird for for saying this, dude, but I I told Karina when she was right there watching with me, I said, man, I said, Karina, this, I see Kobe. Like the way he was, the way he, his mannerisms, the way he was speaking to the media, the way he was saying certain things, certain quips. Mm Mm-hmm. It was just Kobe to me, and I thought I was like, you know, we always uh, Kobe always talked about how you know, you know, every kid emulated, yeah, Mike wanted to be MJ. He took it to the next level. It. He took it. Yeah, you can see the, it. The way he right. walked, the way he yeah. shot, the way he like everything. The like you said, the mannerisms, the fadeaway. You can definitely see it in the fadeaway. The post game, yeah. everything like. Like 
Now I'm gonna have to go back and look at his interviews. Man, go watch episode four again. I think it was episode four. Like all the little interviews and stuff that he did, it was just like like the way he talked. Yeah. Like everything that you've seen or you saw from Kobe when he was in the league, when he was interviewing, that's that's the part I'm talking about in particular. It was just like I was like, wow. But you know the in. you know the craziest part about that though, but is the very thing that we're describing and saying that's so amazing is the very thing that people used to knock about Kobe. Like, yeah. Oh, all Trying he does is do like, like Jordan. Like, yeah. He's like literally the, one of the best to ever do it. Shouldn't Why not? Why not emulate the best? Yeah. Like, is that your knock on? Like, I never understood that, but yeah, but that's, yeah. that's a good point. I'm going to go back and watch the interviews, watch some Michael Jordan interviews and then go watch some, Kobe interviews to see just how much yeah. of it he, 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 yeah. And then I don't know if you saw the preview for next week. It's gonna have a lot of Kobe in it, so that's gonna be, of course, tough to watch. <sighs> but it's like, and you'll probably even see it more in this next episode. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it's next episode is gonna be tough. Yeah. But honestly, it, I. I probably would shed a tear, but at the same time, I'll smile because it's like, man, we had the opportunity once again to see another great, or he blessed us with what he does. And, you know, later on in his life, we talked about it, how he grew to be an amazing father. Larger than life than what he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so (laughs) once again, yeah, I don't blame you. Once again, it's just going to go back to the emphasis of enjoying greatness while we have it here. Give them their roses while they are alive. That's from uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, All the Smoke with um, Stephen Jackson Stephen. and, and uh, Matt Barnes. They they always say give they want to yeah. give people their roses while they're alive. I remember mentioning on another podcast. I couldn't remember where I got it from, but it's from them. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you haven't seen the doc yet, I hope you weren't listening to this part. <laughs> Oops, a lot. I, I mean, mean if, even if you haven't, <laughs> you already know it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they won't see the. You gotta watch it if you're yeah, in it. Yeah, just because there's just so much stuff, and like for guys like us that were born in the early '90s, and this is we, we don't know, we didn't know about a lot get, of the stuff that happened. We get a lot. We get a refresher on pretty. For me, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I get a refresher on pretty much '97 moving forward because before that, I ain't care nothing about no sports. Yeah, '97 yeah, about '97 moving forward. Cartoon Network. Yeah, I was trying then. to be a Power Ranger back then. You smell me? Yeah. Like another another cool thing to watch is I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Sp- uh, Scott Van Pelt Sports Center comes on right after the doc, and each time the last two weekends mm-hmm. he's had he breaks down the episodes and he has people come on and talk about the episodes. No, I didn't cool. know that. Yeah, he had John Sally come on. Uh, last time and John had a lot of stuff to say. John Sally actually he had mentioned uh, because Scott Van Pelt had asked him, he's like man what were you thinking you know when the old no handshake thing was going on. He said he told Chuck Daly the coach to put him back in the game because he didn't want a part of what Isaiah Thomas and those guys were doing because those were the guys that were on the bench. The core. That took off early yeah and so John was like man I'm standing on the court and so John, he he, uh, and I guess the other guys that were on the floor, they actually shook hands with Mike and yeah. all the guys. So it wasn't every single Pistons player, um, 
But yeah, they have uh, like I think they had Michael Wilbon and a couple of those people that covered you know during that era. But it was really insightful to watch and listen to. And Scott Van Pelt is I love him anyway. He's one of the top ESPN guys that I like. So that was that was a uh, pretty cool to to watch and stuff. But yeah, man, please watch those. Do yourself you a have- favor and watch it. Do yourself yeah. a favor and watch it. Uh, watch, it, watch it with a family member, or a friend, or a spouse. Like, or yeah, actually, yeah. unless it's somebody that lives with you, watch it. Because I ain't trying to encourage you to break this whole social yeah. distancing thing. That's not, that's not cool. But yeah. Um, and then my my buddy that I told you was a production assistant on the doc mm-hmm. from from our area. I reached out to him and he did reply to me, and because I wanted to try to get him on the pod, yeah. um, but. Uh, he said he was gonna have to wait. I don't even think I told you this yet. To but he said he's gonna have to wait. To, yeah, the last episode ESPN has all this stuff going on. Obviously, that makes sense. So hopefully, we can have him come on and uh, down the line when the doc ends, and that'll be cool to kind of talk to him and get his insight on different stuff like that. But um, anything else you've been watching? Video games you've been playing? Stuff uh... you want to tell the people to talk? or to check out then just playing a lot of madden uh today i started the call of duty download again this will be my second time downloading <laughs> 200 it. gigs right yeah like 170 that is that is that is nuts man i don't i was really thinking about buying me a external hard drive but i'm just like don't do is it. it worth it just wait for is the it next system it? it's just not don't yeah. even do it i'm just doing it because i'm i need to in between the weeks of our franchise, you know, because when there's like lag between the two, I was like, oh, let me play something else. So I'm not mad and doubt. Yeah. Uh, shows that we've watched. Let's see. We, do you have, I'm sure you, well, you're not a Breaking Bad guy. You've never seen it, right? Um, I watched the very last episode when it aired live. And so I haven't had interest to watch the series yet, which. So that was the only episode me. you watched? Yeah, Man. I watched the first episode Sad. a couple of times when I try to get back into it. I know. This is for all our viewers. Please don't grow up to be like Deontay and neglect one of the greatest shows that have ever been created. But my recommendation for you, sir, I might, I won't even like, try if, to plug if in. You felt, if you say, say if you never watched the show before, you put put yourself in my shoes and you saw the last episode. That doesn't matter. Because I wouldn't. That, that don't matter because of this. I wasn't even referencing Breaking Bad to watch Breaking Bad. I was referencing Breaking Bad so that you can watch Better Call Saul, which is a spinoff of Breaking Bad. I said all that to say this. We finished watching the spinoff of Breaking Bad, where the last episode aired two Mondays ago. So we caught, we finished watching it because we didn't realize the entire season started back in January, February, the, the season that we're currently on, it was season six of Better Call Saul. But to understand Better Call Saul and appreciate Better Call Saul, the best thing you can do is watch Breaking Bad, even if you've already seen the ending of it. Doesn't matter. Still, top five. No, it's top. It's top three. One of the best shows that I've ever watched, Breaking Bad. Um, you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching it. Not even going to talk about the fact that you haven't even finished the Umbrella Academy, which I'm sure you haven't. But Breaking Bad, you should watch it only because you should watch Better Call Saul after that because it's amazing. Um, we're of course watching Insecure. Same. Uh, uh trying to think of shows we watch. We're just watching. We've been watching The Office, Community. I love. I don't know if you would like that. You might like Community. I already watched Community, man. 
Me and you, oh, okay. we, we talked bad. about it back in college, man. Get that nip. Yeah, uh, my bad. You good. Uh, the only other thing we watched, we're starting to rewatch The Wire right now. We're still on like episode three or four. Well, my wife, she's actually probably watching it right now without me. I told her before. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Just nice. doing that. Uh, oh, teaching her how to play chess. So she's learning how to play chess. We, I taught her all the nice. the way all the pieces move. Chess the club. Chess club. Elementary. Yeah, man. <laughs> Karina well, asked well, me that the other day, actually. Actually, elementary, middle school, and high school. Yeah, she doesn't know how to play chess either. So uh, show I'm her how to play chess, chess, G. Yeah. And by show her, I mean uh-huh. beat her every single day in chess until she gets good enough. Yeah. Let her think that she's going to win, then beat her again. In chess, and that's basically that's how it works. That's what I'm gonna do. She's gonna lose every time she plays me. <laughs> and like a few years from now, I'm gonna let her think she's gonna get real close to beat me, and then I'm gonna beat her again. <laughs> Small thing I forgot to mention, Dane, and I'll tell the listeners. I know it might have been last podcast or the episode before that. Black Widow got delayed again. Um, no, 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 oh. that time. But uh, since we last talked about it the mcu slate as a whole has like the new dates for it have been announced so black widow is coming out november 6th of this year uh eternals has been moved back to 2021 of february 12th shang chi may 7th 2021 spider-man 3 i think they moved that so this is an old one but thor love and thunders february 11th of 2022 and then you got dr strange Multiverse of Madness, March 25th, 2022, Black Panther 2, and then Captain Marvel 2 in May and July of 2022. So still a lot of shuffling going on. Of course, whenever the movie theaters come, when everything's clear, hopefully it'll be by November when we can get this MCU slate kicked off. My movie theaters. Still no announcement for the shows. Said they coming back in July. Of, of of this year? Yeah. That's even though Texas is opening up, you know, movies and stuff, Cinemark said they come they they're slated to come back in July from number six. I read that right. Anything else you got, bro? Uh, mm, no, Probably try to go get some gas before, you know, everything returns back to normal this Friday. <laughs> that's um, smart. Smart decision. Uh smart decision. No. I haven't filled, you know, the last time I filled up my, my gas tank was, G? When? I can't even tell you when I, I did, so I know it's been it. over a month for me. The last time I filled up my gas tank, March the 17th. Hmm. Now I have a, you know, I have a Nissan Altima, man. So it's not I think my, I think I last filled up in February, and I'm not even joking. Hmm. It's crazy. At the end of February. Yeah. yeah. It's just because I haven't been, we haven't, only time I've been using my car is just to been going to the store or just driving around. We had our groceries delivered yesterday. Like, that's uh-huh. how much we, we went out the house. So, yeah. we stopped uh, doing that just yeah. so we could leave the house. <laughs> yeah. Mark. Mark. Just, that's the only time Mark. we left the house. So, we're, 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 we're being very cautious over at the Beasley residence. Set, certainly not, you know, doing anything reckless. Um, right. So, Gotta be, yeah. gotta be careful. We we uh we hope you guys continue to like we try to emphasize every episode. Continue to abide by the social distancing guidelines. Do what you have to do to flatten the curve, man, so we can get back to how we do and 
you know, going outside and not necessarily shaking people's hand, but seeing people and not having to worry about, you know, <laughs> catching something and just do your part. And hopefully we can get through this thing as soon as we get the, I mean, some governors have given the all clear, but the real all clear where we know in our hearts and that we are safe. Uh, <laughs> you, you can, can walk through a sneeze without any type of, oh, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> Or walk through yeah. a cloud of cough and be like, you know what? I might get sick. Whenever you can successfully do, not to say that that should be, you know, I'm of course exaggerating here, but I think once you're, once we can walk around without gloves or masks, I think it'll be fine. Whenever all the notes yeah. have been taken off the doors of all of the establishments, I think we'll yeah. be good. But I don't know I when agree. that's going to be because we gotta, we gotta do better as a, as a people, as a people, as we a gotta people. do better. Correction, y'all gotta do better because I'm staying I'm staying I'm staying in the house unless I gotta go to the stove. So <laughs> right. Uh if you are watching this on YouTube, you can see our social media handles are now under the picture you see here. Uh if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, uh Pandora, iHeartRadio, Overcast, any one of those platforms. Uh, my social media handle for Twitter and Instagram is at Dieps Right Steps, and Dane's Twitter handle is at Dane BTX. You can follow us on Instagram, our actual podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to add more different polls and stuff, and start taking questions from people on social media and start mm-hmm. answering those on the pod. Okay, I think that'll be a good idea to get a little fan involved. mail action. Yeah, yeah, a little fan mail. Um. You can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, our podcast at Duo SNS Podcast. And we're still working on that website, our social media, our digital content person is Karina, and she's been having a lot of work to do. So hopefully we can get that going at some point, and it could be a one-stop. You can click on our website, have all our episodes on there. We're going to be looking kind of official, so... With that being said, my guy, I believe this was one of our best episodes, man. Side Content. Side. <laughs> you know, I always got to big us up a little bit, you know. But I like how you keep keep us grounded at the same time. That yin and yang going on. But uh, if that's it, man, great episode. Continue to do what you got to do, like we said before, to flatten the curve. And we'll catch y'all in the next episode.